0: Well, it's a 2014 Patson Hall Chardonnay that I'm drinking. Welcome to the Food and Wine Pairings <laughs> Podcast, everybody. We're your hosts.
1: Stop. Oh wait,
0: wait, Stop. cars. I, it's cars that we should Stop. be talking about, Seriously. right?
1: I, I'm having a wonderful year for uh, for cherry coke. Yeah, it was a yeah. fantastic Ooh, crop of cherry this. coke that year. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm. Yeah,
0: it's like drinking a sunset. It's delicious. Yeah, you. <laughs>
1: Stop it. Stop mm. it. You want to hear the plastic thud of one of my glasses against the <laughs> furniture? Hey, yeah, so it's it's Paul and Todd. We're supposed to talk about cars, aren't we? And cars, we're not doing a good it. job of that.
0: Gosh, I always forget. No. Uh, welcome yeah. everybody. We're thrilled to have you with us. Thank you for writing these Facebook questions. They're already making both of us laugh here as we're reading through this. So There's we'll get some to that.
1: Great th- ones tonight. Yes, I agree. <laughs> we'll get to those at the I end totally of the podcast.
0: Uh, we have uh, excellent debates here for you. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. one of them actually is a debate. Looking forward to that. We have Ben, writing. He his car is coming to the end of a lease, and we are truly going to debate should he keep it or sell it. Keep or sell mm-hmm. a 2014 Cadillac CTS V wagon, the unicorn, yeah. the, the mystical I unicorn know. that we always talk about. I know he has one. Should he keep mm-hmm. it or sell it?
1: And I then know. I totally agree. Very odd.
0: Uh, then we've got Atiel. Uh, he has. Uh, what does he have? Oh. He's got a car that's been in an accident. Everyone's okay. I guess the car was sort of hit and run sitting by the side of the road and it's totaled. And now he needs something that is family friendly. And we're going to help him avoid a minivan. How to not drive a minivan when you have kids. I mean, you're a perfect example, Todd. I mean, this is how to avoid a minivan. I'm trying.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, make, make make great efforts. I will say, I will say, if you're one of the people that writes to us and says, "Hi," so I have six kids. I I can't help <laughs> no. you. I, I can't I can't help you. May I steer you? to these lovely the <laughs> Vans over here. <laughs> Congratulations on your six kids. Actually, you know, even even at four kids, oh, it gets hard. You know, our friend yeah. Greg has got four yeah, boys. Right. And those are big. I mean, his two two older his oldest boys are now as big as he is. Uh, thank God they're going to be driving soon, which will help. But the reality of it is, once you have four kids. You have severely limited your realities. And, but if you're under that, then yes, there are options. And you can stay out of a minivan. So we'll see where it goes.
0: Although at some point, the older kids start babysitting the younger kids. And it kind of takes the pressure off the parents, right? I mean, that's kind of the design of having four plus kids. Isn't that the idea?
1: Well, this was this was the old farming idea. The reason you had a bunch, a bunch of kids when, in the old days of farming was uh, you had more you had more hands to work in the field. And then you had, of course, my father, who was raised by a farmer, and he was an only child. So boy, did he he work! But uh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Great, great uh, stuff, and some podcast. Uh, sorry, Facebook stuff at the end. I'm just yeah,
1: some really good ones just there.
0: Scrolling through these, they're hilarious. But uh, in the meantime, we wanted to start off with a few talking points to begin with. And that is our friend Dan Roth from Autoblog. We were on his podcast, uh, what, a few weeks ago, I think?
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh Same week as our 100th hundredth uh, podcast. Was uh, that same week, yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. So now it's time to return the favor and invite him on to our podcast. And Dan, if you're listening, we are going to have you... Debate some emails, some e- emails that uh, have been written into us.
1: But, the, but that's the trick. I mean, no pressure, Dan. But uh, you know, you put us on the spot without giving us warning. <laughs> we are giving you warning, and the warning is get ready because we are going to have. If you if you're on this show as a guest, that's the trick. You've got to do the car debates with us. That's right. right a while ago, Michael Harley did it with us. He actually did a fantastic job, and we're going to have Dan on. Uh, actually, what's happening? Just so you know, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we will be recording Tuesday night. We'll post for Facebook questions. Due to travel and stuff, we're recording a little earlier than we normally do for our Friday podcast this week. But we are going to have Dan on. We're looking forward to that. And we'll hit your questions and and car debates. And he's going to get the full treatment. So hopefully that will be fun.
0: Well, speaking of guests, we have put that out there and we would still take recommendations. We are still taking uh, listener recommendations for who you think we should have on. But one tweet from Michael Chen came in today who suggested Jason Fenske from Engineering Explained, and he actually yep. liked that tweet just today. And so, Jason, we are inviting you onto the podcast if you're listening. We would love to have you on. We would love to I, – I mean, Jason's got uh, three-quarters of a million subscribers, some brilliant videos. He's got a lot of information on his site. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. will say we would love to have you on, Jason, and listeners, and relate his experience, not only debate a car, but also – in terms of buying, in terms of buying and selling cars, you know, keep in mind about what we're debating here, ask about his engineering prowess and, you know, kind of his thoughts on that, because he's explained everything Mm -hmm. from turbos to differentials to all kinds of stuff, the way it works. But now let's go further and relate it to some kind of buying or relate it to the feel of a car, maybe a steering rack hydraulic versus electric or something like that
1: that that'd be cool it'd be fun to, to also just see what kind of questions you guys might have for him i will say i'm not going to assume he's listening to this podcast we are going to have to reach out to him and close that loop we but, will, uh, we will. <laughs> but yeah it would be very cool to have him on and, and and as paul's saying let us know who you think would be interesting because uh, we're excited at the prospect
0: yeah yeah this should be fun great suggestion love that michael thank you and uh, also keep uh keep the suggestions coming for more folks that you'd like to have on our podcast and maybe we can uh, do the switcheroo like we're doing with dan roth from autoblog Mm -hmm. maybe we can kind of trade off we can be on theirs they could be on ours and um of course you have to debate a car a car for a guest when you're on our podcast so keep the suggestions coming no,
1: no pressure uh yeah we should actually do a couple of those shouldn't we
0: We should, actually. Uh, Before we do, I would actually like to again thump the drum for our pilgrimage adventure coming up and the Chicago (laughs) Track Day. We actually Mm -hmm. had uh, a Facebook question on here that – what was it? Um, Something about track cars. I'll keep looking. But uh, if uh, you have not heard or seen, go to the everydaydriver.com page, Adventures tab there, and you're going to see – both pilgrimage adventure and the Chicago track day. We are inviting you, our listeners, our viewers to Germany, to Europe with us to recreate, to, to do the pilgrimage adventure film that we did. Only do it better and join yeah. us on this trip. So go there for more information. And then Chicago track day is August 22nd, 2016. And we're inviting mm-hmm. you out to Autobahn raceway, Autobahn country club, uh, just outside, yep. just outside of Chicago to come join us for a track day. We'd love to have you.
1: Yep. It's going to be really cool. There's a lot of information about both of those on there. And you know, if you don't have the answer to your question, some of you are writing to us. We appreciate it. There is now an FAQ related to the pilgrimage trip that's answered a lot of the common questions you guys have had there. Uh, And a lot of the questions that relate to the Chicago Track Day can be answered through Laps Incorporated. Once you start on our site, the reason to start on our site there is because for Pilgrimage, you can't get your info any other place. For Chicago Track Day, you can't get the code for your discount for the Chicago Track Day any place but our website. And from there, you can uh, lead your way to Laps Incorporated, which will answer a lot of your questions and let you sign up yourself and your car. Because whatever you drive, you can bring it. Put it on the track. Maybe we'll provide some comedy as a result. And uh, there we go.
0: That's really what we're here to do. It's just provide comedy to you. That's our entire purpose
1: in yeah. life. And apparently, you're trying to pair food and wine, which is bound to end well. Especially with me trying to co-host that with you. That's going to be quite
0: mm, disastrous. That's delicious. Listen to that. Ah, oh, it's uh, delicious. Yeah, seriously, stop it. <laughs> You
1: bought a wind chime. Good for you. You bought a wind chime.
0: It's a wind chime full of wine. That's what it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we've got our first, oh God, we've got our first of two (laughs) car debates. And that is Ben writing to us. And he has a fantastic question. Paul brought it up already and teased it because he has a 2014 CTS V wagon. He does not say if it's manual, but frankly, as rare as those cars are, who cares? You have a CTS V wagon that you have thoroughly enjoyed. Your three-year lease is coming to an end in about six months, so you're already kind of looking at what does this mean, what's next, and you're realizing that if you buy that car out, which you're seriously considering doing, it's going to cost you about forty-one grand. So you're going, okay, all right, so if I'm going to be spending forty grand or so on a car, do I keep this or do I get something else? And that's pretty fascinating because he has kids and he's doing, you know, the, the, the insurance isn't that bad. You know, we're talking Costco runs and low maintenance and kids, and he's saying 40 All right, impress me. And uh, that is a hard one, especially considering what that car you already has is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah this, is, uh, this is truly the debate because we have shown a lot of love to that car. As a matter of fact, driven one. Uh, by one of our longtime supporters and fans, Raul. He has got one, mm-hmm. that black one that you've seen, and what yep. a car. What a rare beast. And so Ben has suggested uh, Focus RS, a 911, um, some other things on here. He's. It sounds like you're really waffling. And after reading your story, Ben, I'm waffling too. I am nearly hmm. split 50-50 down the middle. I am I've got suggestions either way, and I'm curious curious to hear what you think, Ben, because uh, Ben tells us that the buyout price for this car is $41,000, which is okay. Um, And to your point, Ben, here, in that neighborhood of of the price range, there's not much of any other car that you like better than the Cadillac, except you've named one here, but I'll get to that in a moment. (laughs) Okay. So I went looking. I went shopping. I pretended that I'm in the market for a 2014 CTSB wagon. Well, for the run of cars that they did, they okay. are worth anywhere from, gosh, 62 on the high end. And the lowest that I found really? was $45,000. So that was the cheapest one that I found, about mm. 60,000 miles on it. So therefore, that so tells me. So at that me, point,
1: he's getting a bargain if he buys in and stays in. That's yeah. an interesting way to look at it. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. That's yeah. a great point.
0: So I am thinking keep the wagon. There's none that are on the market for 41 grand. Imagine if you want to try that yeah. try to buy that car, you're going to pay 45 on up. And if you've leased that you're car then, right. I a bet
1: you Right point.
0: I bet you got lower than 60,000 miles on that car. So it's worth yeah. got to be more than that,
1: right? hadn't even thought of it from that perspective that that starts to really swing it in just the standpoint of if you like it keep it you have yourself a bargain i do see that i have other things i want to recommend but i that is a great point
0: well i'm just getting started (laughs) because Uh, that's the half of me that says keep the wagon because you love it already
1: okay then the other half says
0: okay the lease comes to an end buy it for forty one thousand dollars then promptly sell oh. it for fifty five thousand dollars, which is the general yeah. mean price that yeah. they're going
1: for. Uh huh. And walk with that money. Yeah, keep that's a that, great point as well.
0: <laughs> keep that fourteen thousand dollars that you just made,
1: mm. and go mm. buy
0: or lease something else that interests you, like a Focus RS or something else. Well,
1: but but I would even say he could still undercut the market, buy it for forty one, sell it for fifty. Sure. Which means it'll move. Sure. And you've still made almost 10 grand. I take your point. I mean, yeah. it, you could, if you went that route, you could look at the market, as Paul's saying, and you could just cut, ju- make it the cheapest one online by $1,000, and you're still going to make 10 grand. Yeah. Yeah. You've got 10 Interesting. grand. Interesting. Okay. All right. Either, you're, you're being quite strategic this evening. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed.
0: Well, thank you. I, I feel like, yeah, that 10 to 14 grand, or yeah, even sell it for more. Who knows? Um, you'll just have to find out what it's worth, Kelly Blue Book pocket that money pay off debt put it towards the next car whatever
1: mm-hmm. and you've mm-hmm. got
0: these these choices on here that ben suggested the focus rs a second gen 997 so the 997.2911 love mm-hmm. the idea but i don't think it's the right car for you just objectively i don't either looking don't from either. a space and usability standpoint i'm porsche guy over here and i don't think that's the right car for you so then i think yeah Huh, well, how could you get into a Porsche if
1: he's used if he's used that CTS V wagon the way we're talking the way he's talking about then i'm sorry but the focus sports car isn't for you and i think the focus rs as interesting as it is will be such a step down in feel from where you've been as far as scale and interior style that i just don't know that that's a match either it's interesting mm-hmm. but i think the un- the big unknown here the big mystery for me with ben is how much does he want something different if he's stepping out of the wagon, this is the, the the mystery part for me. If he's stepping out of the wagon, is he wanting to go, OK, that was fun. I liked it. Let's get something different. Or is it, what's an equivalent wagon to this? Because if you're staying there, that's where it's really hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I mean, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. And uh, I, I think, all right, I kept going. I thought, well, how could we get you into a Porsche,
1: Ben? I know where you're going.
0: Well, <laughs> I thought, if you're into leasing, 2016 Cayenne or Cayenne S e-hybrid, respectively 699 and 749 a month. But there's still a lot of problems with both of those cars because mm-hmm. they only check a few boxes. Yes, there's room for kids and they're fun to drive, but they're not really cheap to insure or maintain, even used Cayennes. So therefore, yeah. I don't even know that Porsches will fit the bill for you.
1: In, and in a in a shocking reversal of fortune on the everyday driver car debate, for <laughs> those of you wanting to drink along with the mentions of Porsche in the positive, I am going to come to Porsche's defense here. Oh, really? I know okay. that's shocking, but honestly, I'm shocked. One of the things I know one of the things that you have to consider, Ben, is this. Here's the first thing: I think that Paul's strategic idea is probably masterful, and that is buy out that car, and then with it, with the car in your hands. Mm-hmm. At forty-one grand, decide what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe you keep it, but if you don't keep it, then promptly turn around and sell it, make yourself a profit, and walk with maybe fifty. I still didn't even pro- didn't even shop for you at fifty. I so- I shop for you at forty-five, and the thing is, at forty-five, you can get yourself some choices of the Panamera S. You need to go drive a Panamera. Mm.
0: Can you get it's, a Panamera for that?
1: Price? Yes, you can, my friend. Really, really. Certainly, if you've got if you've got fifty in your pocket, you have choices. If we're really talking about him turning around and selling that car, but I looked it up at 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 this point for 40 to 50 pardon me for four, yeah, between 40 and 50 grand you have options in the Panamera world. Sure. And you're not going to get the big turbo has every bell and whistle, but you could find occasionally some Panamera S. Now a lot of the ones I'm finding at that point are roughly 70 to 80,000 miles. The reason they're selling them there and the reason they're cheap is because Porsche service intervals are 40, 80, and 120. Those are the big boys. Of course, mm-hmm. you do it about every, once a year, yeah. about every 10,000. But those are the big boys the 40, 80, and, and 120. We just did the 80 on our Cayenne, okay? Is this inexpensive? No. But here's the thing. My dad, as comparative, has got a Chevy Avalanche. It's just a big Chevy SUV with different you know, different body panels on it, essentially. Mm-hmm. He did a 100,000-mile service, and it cost him, I think, 1,200, and there was another 600 he didn't do on his 100,000-mile Avalanche. I did the 80,000-mile service on my Panamera, including new brakes and rotors on all four corners and all in it was 1400. Now, while 1400 is not cheap for 80,000 miles, I mean not cheap for a big service I will acknowledge, when you consider it was less than my dad paid to get less done on his Avalanche, that shocks me. And then cuz you just think Chevy, Porsche, Chevy's going to be more, less expensive. Right. Not true. And the other thing is wow. that 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 the 80,000-mile service on that Cayenne, and we'll do a little video and mention this further, but the 80,000-mile service on that Cayenne from the dealer, just the service was going to be 1400 I got the service cost cut in half by going to my independent guy. And wow. so that service and the all-four-corner brakes, 1400 which, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's cheap, but comparative to other cars, when you start to do real, genuine service on other cars at big service intervals, it's really not going to be that far off. Now, I will acknowledge if you're a DIY and you, you actually have the ability to put it up on a lift and do this stuff yourself, you can save yourself staggeringly. I'm just talking straight across the board, pay for somebody to do it. Hmm. Uh, so Because I, I think that's what frightens people about Porsches. I don't want to do it myself. I'm worried it's a Porsche. What if I do it wrong? Which is a fair, fair comment. In my case, I wanted to do the brakes. Couldn't. Because the bolts on the back of the calipers take an angle I didn't have, because I don't have a four-post lift, and over 200 pound-feet of torque to crack them. I don't have a breaker bar. So those two realities. I I was all ready to do the brakes. Had all the parts. was going to do it. I I can do brakes. That's not a problem. Got to that and went, I I literally cannot do this without hurting myself. So at that point, it was like, all right, well, I'm going to take it my service guy anyway. Let's let him do the brakes. My point is, Porsche Panamera, please go drive one. Because the dynamics are going to trump your CTSV. I, I fully believe that they will. Mm-hmm. It won't have the just, I'm shocking myself power of your CTSV, but they're not exactly slow. Certainly, if you get the S, if you get the base, not that impressive, but if you get the S and you're going to beat it in interior dynamics, the seats are going to be better, not going to be quite as much room, but it's not going to be too far off. I think you need at least drive one. Here's me defending Porsche. I know, I know, but there it is.
0: Wow. I'm I'm impressed. That was excellent, actually. Two things: did your you took your Cayenne to an independent? Did your dad take the Avalanche to the dealer to get all that stuff done, and therefore that's kind of the price difference? And second of all, your dad has over a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand miles on the Avalanche. Where has he been driving? He has.
1: He has. Yeah, excellent question. Where's he been going? Superb question. Yes. Well, my my parents live. What? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) My parents live close to uh, Yosemite Valley. They retired up to Central California. And so he drives into the valley regularly. Of course, they live uh, about 100 miles from Fresno. So if they want to go to a real town, they have to drive to Fresno. So there's miles getting racked up. That's part of it. Okay. Uh, And then they've taken some road trips, because they love the way that thing rides, because it rides like a big suburban. It's just, you know, it ignores the world, and off you go on a cruise. So. You know, they, they put some real miles on it. Uh, I honestly don't think it was dealer service, but they have one because again, they're in a small town. But they have one of those "we work on every car" kind of things. And you know, the guy did the service he was supposed to do, and then came up with a big list of other things he should do. And my dad did like half that list, and I think the total was like twelve hundred. So yeah. Hmm. Wow. I didn't realize that. I, I, I wish I agree. I was quite shocked. I wish I could see the list of everything he he had done because I would love to compare. But that's the thing that most people don't think about because I know I haven't thought about it a lot. Your big service intervals on most cars are between eighty and a hundred thousand miles, maybe yeah. like one ten. Yeah, uh, a lot of cars with with you know Japanese cars with timing belts like the Subarus are like a hundred and five thousand miles. That big service, if you do everything on the list, it's never cheap. It's never just oh a couple hundred bucks. No, it's It'll probably have a comma in that number. Yeah. If you do everything yeah. that's supposed to be on that list on that big service interval close to hundred grand, that's the problem. And, of course, so that means these Porsches that I'm talking about, almost every single one of them, the reason that they're as cheap as they are is because it's just before that 80,000-mile service, which means your budget has to be buy one and then get that service done. You have to know that right away. But that's true of a lot of cars. I mean, that's why you see so many cars sold for le- at less than 80,000 miles, it, typically, they're sold just before 60 or just before 80 or just before 100 because those are not only big milestones but service intervals. Yeah, yeah,
0: you can tell. That's funny. Well, gosh, unbeknownst to me, Porsches still could be the answer. I I didn't see that coming, but I'm
1: fully supportive of it. I'm- I I will be surprised, honestly, if he finds something, as, he's, as he suggested here, that makes more sense than the CTS-V wagon. But I really genuinely think that the Panamera is worth cross-shopping and cross-driving because you have money that could get you into one. Mm -hmm. And I I wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't have gone there except for the fact that he brought up the 997. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, if you're going to go there, which feels like a departure from where you need to be, Oh, then go drive the Panamera, definitely. You know that's the thing, and you know I also brought up Usual Suspects. Of course, you could look at the E ninety series uh, M three. You could look at the the. You could get yourself a new Chevy SS. Hello, but true. those aren't wagons. I don't know if you want a wagon. I don't know if you need a wagon. Now both of those other sedans have got big trunks. You certainly could get by with either of those. The, the SS would be new, which I couldn't recommend more. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, it'll be you get a brand new one. Walk away happy but uh and if you and if you got 50 grand for your CTSV you walked away with money in your pocket with a brand new uh Chevy SS. But I don't know based on his descriptions I'm kind of wondering if wagon is a little paramount if he stays that. I mean even the Focus RS he's kind of clinging to wagon there. The 997 is such a left turn that's why I wind up Panamera.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of wagon, my last thought here is the one he suggested. I mean with that price differential I found you with the money that I found you Ben you could go scratch that Mercedes E63 itch. You could go do that mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. All the rules that we're talking about still apply. The maintenance, you know, buy, buy smart, all those kinds of things. But it sounds like you wanted to kind of stay into the wagon thing and go do the German yeah. equivalent. It's like the German Cadillac equivalent, kind of. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, oh gigantic true. engine, horsepower wars, monster power, unique, fast, all those things. Well, I mean...
1: I I would spin it the other way. I would say that the CTS-V wagon is Cadillac doing what Germany has always done and decided to not really sell here. That's kind of what the CTS-V wagon is. Yeah, true, true. Because I feel like the German brands have always done that car. And the Americans never really have. We've kind of we had plenty of big sedans with big engines in it, but very few big wagons. Well, there's been a few, but certainly forever it's been like a ghost town in wagon world ever since the vacation movies. Those are the cars you do not make or sell. So you know <laughs> Well wagons sell like crazy
0: in Europe. Everybody's got exactly. a wagon. The little two liter exactly. diesel wagon and they're fast and everybody has a wagon and then Americans are just kinda like, "Ah, I guess I'll take my SUV, just seventy two million cup holders and yeah, that's mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it's really interesting to me, but you see them everywhere when you go to europe they're just they're everywhere
1: well i was just I was just reading a couple of different places I was just reading that the the May numbers are in now granted look it's really hard to look at any one month sales numbers and say this is the new trend i mean obviously trends happen over time, but what was interesting is that the May sales numbers compared to a year prior for every automaker, but I think Honda because of the civic and Subaru because it's Subaru and they don't really make aren't really known for SUVs. Every other automaker, the year over year, so May last year to May this year, for the first time they were selling more SUVs than cars across wow. every other automaker. Wow, yeah. That is definitely the way the world is shifting. And China's more interested in SUVs. Obviously, everybody's getting obsessed with ride height as they try to bring the gas mileage up and the size of the SUV down but leave the ride height. They just become the thing everybody's buying, which makes me a little bit sad because it makes, as weird as it sounds, cars a niche market more so, if it continues. Look, this was one month. I'm not saying this is the way it's all going, but I thought it was an interesting stat to read. There it is on paper, more SUVs than cars being sold. Mm -hmm. That's bizarre, but there you go. And if BMW
0: has anything to say about it, I mean X4, really X4? What what is that? Well, but,
1: but we've still got room for the X4.5. Oh, true. You know, and, true. And, and I didn't the, think of that. The, the, the X, the X6.6 and a half. You know, whatever God. it's going to be. You know, I mean, it'll be. I, oh I you my know, gosh. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure BMW can slice that pie another hundred times. I'm not sure what it is, but they will find a way. When you zoom I be- in, I be- the
0: slice gets bigger, and then we can dice it up even more. Excellent. I, I,
1: I believe in BMW's power of, of, of separating brands. I fully believe it. I, I, I know they will find a niche that I have never imagined.
0: Come on, BMW. Never you can imagined. do it. We're all counting on you. We're rooting for you. You can do it.
1: Ugh. We're yeah. going gonna to build an SUV for people with exactly three children.
0: <laughs> of a certain Doesn't work for
1: people with two. Doesn't work for people with two. Doesn't work for people with, with four. It's for people with exactly three children.
0: That's hilarious. Not sure what we're
1: going to call it yet, but there's an unserved market. The three-child market for the SUV. Anyway, moving on.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, Ben, uh, interesting suggestions. Hopefully, this has been helpful. And please let us know. His uh, lease is coming to an end in six months. So we're a little bit early, but hopefully you've got some time to do some driving, but some testing of the cars, yeah, and yeah, really yeah. start thinking about it. So keep us posted and write back with, uh, with your choices. So anyway. And in the meantime, we can move on to the second car debate from Etzel uh, Resendiz. I think I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. He, is, uh, he does not say where he's writing in from, but had this story about an 07 Honda CRV EX. So the nice one, the loaded one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hit and run uh yes the crv was parked so confirmed there no one was in it so thank goodness glad to hear you're okay sorry to hear about your car i hope you get as much money possible from your from your insurance but clearly you're shopping and even more yeah. so not just to replace that car but because you're going to be parents so you and your wife you're going to be parents congratulations i, I think it's fantastic wonderful so now yeah, it's going to be it's great kid friendly no minivans
1: <laughs> and you've owned a lot of things, Zale. You've, uh, you've got S2Ks here, you've got a, a 335 E92, Mustang GT, Fox Bodies, other BMWs, the RSX, which is really cool. Another Civic Si, so you clearly have got some, and, and a good number of modded Civics, so a lot of Honda love in your family, which is cool. Uh, but you uh, you haven't had a whole lot of kid-friendly cars, and of course, guess what, you're thinking differently now. You've looked at your budget, you said okay, no minivans, don't want it to scream soccer mom, but you have a budget of 20k. So you have a four-door that e- E46 generation, but of course it's the 335, it's not the uh, or, or you don't actually don't say. Uh, I guess that's the 330, wouldn't it be? You talk mm-hmm. about having an E46 generation four-door. So uh, that's the car you you could dump. You've got about 20 grand to spend. Sounds like you're pondering an SUV. Okay, this is interesting. Let's keep you out of the minivan feel, but uh, as we were just saying, SUVs are everywhere.
0: Certainly, BMW is going to make one for him, right? I mean, at the twenty thousand dollar price range, they're going to dice it up, and then they're not going to yeah, have yeah. anything left. So they got to look at the twenty grand price range. Surely they're going to make one for you at some point, <laughs> but just not today. So we're going to have to to recommend. Some other things for you. <laughs> Today just ain't the day that they're building the car for you. So.
1: BMW is going to start making models with, with actually a single person's name on it. It's not going to be built for. No, no, that's the model name. That's the BMW that's right. insert your name here. And you if know. this is
0: not your name, we're not going to sell it to you, even used. You, you remember the Simpsons,
1: it. the Homer? Totally. Where, the, the, where, where, totally. where Homer advised them on a car and it came up with this bulbous, horrific thing. That's actually the path BMW's on. We're going to make you your car. <laughs> oh no, oh, anyway. this is
0: funny. So, uh, as we were saying, about twenty thousand dollar price range, uh, you said 20k, but you know, it's us, so we're gonna, you know, knock on that door, we're gonna push, we're gonna tweak, <laughs> we're and going we're to ignore and... what
1: you said and spend money you don't have, blow right Yay past us. your budget.
0: Uh, no, I, uh, I do have some choices here for you that I think are very worth a consideration and one that is thousand dollars above your price point just a touch okay. just a thimbleful of, right. thimble of money to <laughs> consider just a <laughs> tiny no just a thin slice of cheesecake more than your twenty thousand dollar price range uh but we will start uh since you had a crv i thought what about another one you like that car used yeah. ones in the yeah. 2012 2013 range they're 20 thousand you know i i think you could go get another one very easily and upgrade, new body style, uh, all those kinds of things. You'd have a newer one of the same car. Since it kind of works mm-hmm. for you already, I thought, what about just getting more of the same? Because you know it's going to be for your family car. So maybe. Yeah, Not a minivan. True. But I, th- I kept going from there. I thought, all right, well, you've done the Honda thing. You've had modded Civics SL. You've had mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Type S or the RSX Type S, Civic Si, as I said, modded Civics. So I thought stepping up to the Acura RDX. That's a turbocharged four. Have Excellent not driven choice.
1: it. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. But used. Superb.
0: You could go after that. They call it the Super Handling mm-hmm. All Wheel Drive. I don't know how super the handling is because have not driven it. But.
1: But but How everything in the Acura lineup, every, I mean, we've talked about this before, the stuff in the Acura lineup gets overlooked more than it should be. Yeah. yeah. And the super handling all-wheel drive, they, they are not the most dynamic cars made, but any car they put that on is surprising. I think that RDX is a great choice. I, I mean, you know, because we could say, and I was going to say, the uh, the standard Mazda CX-5 here and all that kind of stuff. But if you get an RDX, do the RDX. I, yeah, I fully agree. Yeah. Fully yeah. agree.
0: Um. I'm not sure as far as size. I think it should be comparable to that CRV, But again, maybe the dynamics would really push you over the edge. Hopefully they would. So go consider one of those. Uh, I thought of a two-wheel drive Jeep Renegade. But then I thought, I don't know that that car is for you. Maybe, maybe. But uh, that kept me going. I, I thought, there's got to be Kay. more answers here. All right. We've recommended the Mazda CX-5 a lot. And Mm -hmm. in the 2013, 2014 arena, somewhere in there, you can easily spend 20 grand, get a very stylish, very clean, Mm -hmm. very nice Mazda CX5. Also, not a minivan, very good looking. I I really like those a lot. And uh, early on in the podcast, uh, sessions, I think the first year. We recommended that to a lot of people just because we it's did. so useful we and such a great value. I, I think it's great. And,
1: and everyone everyone we know that's had a CX-5 has been very impressed with it. That's not just mm-hmm. us talking. Mm-hmm. Everyone we know that has one. I mean, I know I know a guy right now that he and his wife bought a used one about a year ago, and he and I talked about it prior, and they're in love with it. So, I mean, everybody I know that's had one has really liked it. You know, the Mazda 3 platform is a really good platform, and it's, the, it's the, it built up on that. So, yes, I mean, there's a reason we keep bringing it up. It's just because it's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: What else? Uh, Chevy Traverse, GMC Acadia. I mean, coming back to the early years of your parenting, that's what you had, the Acadia. And it worked fine. It It was actually nearly as spacious as a minivan. Works great as a production vehicle. I mean you can Absolutely. speak to that all day long 20 grand
1: easy No I mean they have they have tons of room I mean the truth of it is the reason we got rid of ours is because we realized it was too large for what we needed Now I don't mm-hmm. know maybe you're going to have a couple of kids but we ha- and if you if you are you know it starts to get more realistic we realized we were only going to have one and it was the three of us in this drive, drivable gymnasium I mean it is it, it the thing about the Traverse and the Acadia is if you park one next to an SUV it looks I mean like like next to the Tahoe for example, okay? Not even the full Suburban. You park it next to the Tahoe from the same family, and it looks significantly smaller, and yet it has more space inside than the Tahoe does, which is really incredible use of packaging. Then if you park it next to a minivan, it looks better than the minivan. Now, that's not saying much. That bar is set low, but it it does look better than a minivan. So, I mean, it has much more minivan dynamics. I will acknowledge that. They're front-wheel drive. They have that kind of platform. They're not designed to be big off-roaders. But, yeah, those are worthwhile. I take your point. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Etzel, forgive me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I uh, got this choice for you here to consider. And like okay. I said, just a little bit slightly more, but there's a reason. It's because it's brand new. And I've been hearing people talk about that in my neighborhood, as a matter of fact, talking to various people. They have a 2016 brand new Hyundai Tucson Eco or Sport. Now, these start okay. at 24150 so blowing it a little bit. But did you know, I did not know until I went on the website, both of these models have a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. I wasn't aware mm. of that. And it's got a turboed four, 1.6-liter turboed four, 176 horsepower. That, on the other hand, has been described a little bit light switchy. So kind of when you're driving it, where's the turbo, where's the turbo? There's the power.
1: Holy moly. <laughs> and <laughs> suddenly there was turbo. Yeah.
0: But that could be a good thing. That means it's zippy, it's snappy, it's got some power. And I'm looking at this on the website and I'm thinking, wow, definitely not a minivan. And it says, hey, young hip family up and coming, it's my sports car, kind of I. Like you know, put my canoe on the top, and we go doing the outdoor sport that we do as a family, and it's not even. Now, now, all
1: you're doing is trying to be the marketing agent. So that's actually what you're trying to do. How do we make people think this is a jeep? I know what we do. We strap a, a canoe to the roof. Strap then it says jeep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> strap a anyway. canoe to anything, and it's suddenly your SUV. Anyway, um, cool. so this this Tucson is intriguing to me. I think it looks good. Hyundai has found their corporate styling voice. I think it yeah, looks definitely. really quite good. Something to consider, which then led me to the Nissan Murano, but it's ten grand above your price point. I think they're good looking. Mm. This new twenty sixteen Nissan Murano, interesting design, very interesting. Also, another company that's found their voice. I think stylistically speaking, but again, blown out the, the budget there. And uh, I think you should look at the Tucson if you can. Otherwise, these other suggestions could fit the bill and. Um, yeah, curious. Uh, what else Can is on I, your list?
1: Well, I have one other one, and I, again, I can't believe I'm here, but I feel like it's an elephant in the room moment. I have to mention it just because it exists, and I, I own one, and that is a Cayenne. You're talking about wanting a non minivan. I'm at Porsche again. I don't mean this. I don't mean to be the guy banging on about Porsche tonight. I really don't. But I did read this, and I thought, okay, you want a non minivan? You want the lines of an SUV but you want it to feel a little more special than that be a little bit more dynamic you want to feel like you're still a car guy in a family car this is why we got a Cayenne you've got 20 grand to spend now Paul's gone as much as 24 i will say to you for 24 all day long you could get a Cayenne you're going to get a base one it's going to be the V6 it's not going to blow you away in power but they're not slow and i mean they're they're faster than pretty much all these other SUVs we're mentioning even in base form again I just talked about what it costs to maintain that it can be pricey at the big intervals but uh, you know that is the car you now own I mean that could be interesting I think it's worth looking at because what happens is people have that budget and this is why we're doing long term with that car you have that budget the the twenty to twenty five grand and you think I couldn't buy a cayenne could I yes you could do you want one I don't know you got to debate that as far as cost of maintenance and just being aware of what it requires but you absolutely can, and by and large, those cars are reliable. That's the thing about it. They're not inexpensive to maintain, but stuff doesn't randomly break. Mm-hmm. So I have to bring it up because, let's be honest, I own one. Now, I will say this to you you will go online right now. Whoever you are that's listening, you're going to be curious about if I'm right or not about can you get a Cayenne that cheap. You're going to go online and you're going to find some, I'm just going to call it out. Let's say a 2006. Cayenne Turbo with 90,000 miles, and it's sixteen grand, And you're going to think, ah, Cayenne Turbo for sixteen grand." Please, please don't buy that car. The 03 to 06 were yeah, money first
0: pits. Gen, first gen.
1: They were money yeah, pits. They were, yeah. And I'll tell you, they were money pits so far that Porsche didn't make the car in 07. There was no Cayenne in 2007, <laughs> because there were so many issues of people pouring money into those vehicles. They didn't make an 07. Then 08 to 2010, I happen to have a 2010, that's the, the revision of of what they first introduced, and they are far more reliable. And then, starting in 2011, is the body style you're seeing now. That started in 2011. So, in 08 to 2010, I'm still saying you can still get one of those for 20 to 25. You can get one. You will find a ridiculous deal on some Cayenne uh, out there that is an 03 to 06. That's why they're that cheap. And I have, I have seen Panamera Turbo 14 grand, and you think, oh my gosh, it, and, and then and then reality sets in, and you go that's going to be just a massive hole in my wallet.
0: <laughs> Flood damage, salvage title, 14 grand. Come this way. No. No,
1: I mean, well and and that's the thing, not even salvage title, but there's a reason those things are so cheap. Yeah. You yeah. get high mileage, very first gen Cayennes in the massive upper end of capability and they are very cheap and there is a reason because that will break your wallet.
0: I will have you know, I tried hard to not suggest a Porsche. I I really tried hard over here
1: you and you've done well, and I have ruined it. I fully agree.
0: <laughs> but excellent suggestion. I mean, you can't deny what happened to you. I mean, just the fact that I can't you can. deny it
1: because I bought one. I can't. Yeah. I can't not bring that up. That was our budget, and that's where we ended up. I mean, my <laughs> wife was like, "I don't like our Arcadia. It's not fun enough to drive." But once I think it's more fun to drive, here's our budget. Look where we ended up. I, you know, and so, yeah.
0: speaking of fun to drive, it's going to hit all the buttons on the fun to drive factor. So uh,
1: yeah. certainly for that class of vehicle unless of course you want to go x6 <clears throat> don't do that but uh, yeah anyway um, soon bmw is going to some...
0: build you a three-person suv three and only yeah.
1: three <laughs> for your son three that's people, seven years old people three people three doors it's the bmw's new x 1.5 anyway uh it's yeah. coming oh, man. you know it's coming
0: so, it's gonna be a hybrid uh we've electric. got
1: a lot of great questions from facebook um, I wanted to jump in with one that made me laugh because we are guilty of this. I actually didn't tell you I was going to do this one, but I, I just remembered it. Uh, our friend Michael Morris wrote to us and asked, what is the correct pronunciation of the German place called the Ring? What is the correct pronunciation of that? Because <laughs> Paul and I have said it differently on the podcast. Now, I want a side note for a second. This podcast, with the exception of minor notes for the car debate, is done pretty much from the hip. And we don't really even talk before. We just get on the, the podcast and say go. Right. So right. The, as a result, we're, we're thinking fast, we're talking fast. Of course, clearly I talk fast all the time. We mispronounce things when we're running and gunning. I will fully acknowledge And there are diligent ones of you that listen and go, well, they didn't pronounce that right at all. I'm going to write in. And you write in, and you were right. We have mispronounced things. We will continue to do so, I promise you. (laughs) We will continue to
0: mispronounce (laughs) and have a very loose grasp on the English language. We can promise
1: you that. We we will clearly try not to, (laughs) but I am also promising you we will continue to not be perfect, and it will happen. Having said that, having said that, yes, yes. The, the actual pronunciation, I don't claim to have, my, have it right, and Tom, our German uh, correspondent, is listening right now and holding his breath and expecting me to do it wrong. <laughs> but um, the Nordschleife is the approximately the German way to say the Nordschleife. Now, Paul pronounces it in the pilgrimage film Nordschliefe, which is the standard American mispronunciation of that word. So he's not off in the woods. There are many people that pronounce it that way, but the Nordschleife is close to correct, as is Touristenfaden, which is very hard to say, but I have tried very hard to do that, and that essentially means your public uh, track session times there at uh, at the Life. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, that is close, <laughs> Michael. Somewhere, somewhere, Tom is re- wishing he could reach through his iPod and correct me, but you that's know it. You know vaguely it. right and uh if we didn't get that wrong this time wait because on the next podcast i may say it wrong
0: so there you go <laughs> i'm happy to be wrong actually so Schleife, three syllables and uh yeah tom is about to correct me as well
1: but yep, um, absolutely
0: all right well we're we're getting there we're working towards it <laughs> at some point in the future I, it'll be perfect I, yep Promise, but in the meantime, when
1: I, when I am when I am old enough to have dementia, I won't mispronounce anymore. I just won't make any sense. That's what will happen.
0: <laughs> you just won't remember what you're talking about. But you pronounce I have no it correctly.
1: idea what Todd's saying. But at least it's all pronounced really well, and he finally slowed down in his old age, and we can catch every word. That'll probably be how it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome, awesome.
0: Uh, all right. Well, I have to say uh, one of my favorite questions from this session, this round of Facebook questions was at the very bottom, if you scroll down, Jason Cornell asks, What's your favorite Ferrari? And Jason, the mm. answer is very simple. My favorite Ferrari is any Ferrari that somebody else owns. <laughs>
1: that you could drive. <laughs> that I get
0: to drive. And that's a they good point. own.
1: Yeah. I I would yeah.
0: love to own a Ferrari. Honestly. I, I would love to I aspire to Ferrari ownership. I mean what car guy doesn't? Yeah, I, I hear you. It's it's the Mythical, it's Ferrari. But then I think, well, would I drive it or would it become a garage queen? Just like just about every other Ferrari you see. They come out in the summer. Mm, mm. The guy's wife doesn't get to drive it. And it's spit polished and it's never driven. Have you ever seen a Ferrari caked with mud, driven? I mean, besides a press car, (laughs) besides Harris doing his Harris thing to Ferraris. Have you ever seen it? I I mean, I think, all right, well... (laughs) You do that to a Ferrari, and you're going to be in for a large maintenance bill. It's like a helicopter. It's yeah. some, somewhere in the yeah, range of, of one hour of maintenance for every four hours of flight time, something like that, and it's not cheap. <laughs> Same thing yeah, applied to I a Ferrari. It. And the early Ferraris, even if they're you know the 90s ones on down, you drop the engine. 15,000, 30,000-mile services are, gosh, yeah. I don't even know what they cost, but they're more than yeah, 10 grand
1: like well you could buy a car for what the service cost you that's that's yeah. pretty pretty common and especially the yeah you, like you say before the 90s ferraris when you were dropping the engine on your mid engine ferrari to do anything you could buy another car for the same price as your service which is nuts yeah absolutely nuts um and 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 also let me acknowledge you could buy another nice car i i I acknowledge you could spend four hundred dollars on your car tomorrow and go buy a car for 400 bucks i'm talking you could buy a legitimate car that we've recommended on the car debate for what you got your ferrari serviced for
0: honda s2000 hello you could legitimately buy Mm -hmm. one for the service oh
1: regularly regularly so
0: you got to be a rich person and that's fine if you can if you got the scratch bring it uh Mm-hmm. I I admit I aspire to Ferrari ownership, and it would probably lean more towards the newer ones, uh, just in terms of more reliable, you know, reliability and build quality and all that stuff. But I I I love just about every Ferrari. I mean, we're how can you not? It's hard to it's hard to assail the Ferrari mountain and point out, you know, well that's an ugly one, and I wouldn't want that if somebody tried to foist it upon me and gave it to me. <laughs> Gee, yeah. no, I don't want a Ferrari. It, you know. But at this point in my life, yeah, want to drive them, but I want somebody else to own it and pay for the maintenance bill. Honestly, so
1: yeah, I like I like the somebody else owns it and pays for it. That that is that is the best Ferrari. I think I agree with you. Up there with a the boat and pickup to say, truck. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the, uh, and of course, you know, I'm influenced by being a little kid and watching TV, but, you know, I like the the original 308, uh, you know, the Magnum PI Ferrari that Ooh, put them yeah. on the map in in the mind of everybody that was not already on board with Ferrari, that was just like the the casual non-car people suddenly like Ferraris because of the 308 with Tom Selleck in it. But that made a big impression on me as a kid, just seeing that car. Oh, and I'll never, yeah. never forget, watching that show and seeing, I think he's like 6364, seeing him drive around with the Targa top off all the time because his head stuck out of the roof (laughs) so you know I I just remember and I remember thinking at the time amazing that he's that tall I'm pretty much as tall as Tom Selleck now which is nuts but you know that made a big impression and so as a result I love the 288 GTO that one just has a I have a soft spot for that car never driven one I have a real soft spot for that car that's a Ferrari that every time I see one it stops me I just walk around Mm. it that one Mm -hmm. just really does it for me then the late 80s Ferraris, I mean, I know that's the Testarossa. I'm aware that it's in there, but I think they have aged terribly. Yeah, I kind of do too. And I don't personally feel like Ferrari really found styling. They're Ferraris so you look, I will acknowledge. And I'm obviously not as savvy on styling as you are, but personally, I don't feel like Ferrari made another car that I just loved the look of until they got to 458. Hmm. And that one just captures me in the same way that that old 288 GTO did, just on sheer looks. Haven't driven that one either. I will sidestep and say F40, of course, is an icon. Sure. Uh, that, because that that actually looks like nothing else they've ever styled either because it's mostly race car design. I mean, it's pretty much just, oh, yeah, race car. Let's look, make it look like a race car. Okay, let's sell that. That's a different animal. I'm talking about their genuine street-looking cars. I just – they missed – 15 almost 20 years for me where i liked them because they were ferraris but i didn't feel like the purity of design was there for me to be like i don't care what the brand is i don't care what the logo is that's a sexy car 458 did it and Mm -hmm. right now i like the look of almost everything in their lineup i wish we could say we've driven a lot of them we haven't but if you're listening and you have Ferraris, uh, you can reach us at everydaydriver.com, and we will come drive your car. Uh, yeah, because uh, your Ferrari and your gas and tires and maintenance are our favorite Ferrari. So there you go.
0: That's true. Well, I've heard you say you like the 355, and you like elements of the 360 Modena in there. There's, there's some softness and smoothness there's, about those cars that are really appealing. The,
1: 35, I, the 348 did nothing for me. Just yeah. sheer styling, yeah, the, and and so I felt like a 355 redeemed it styling wise. I never liked the spider. I do like the coupe. I actually think the coupe. I don't feel like it was as sexy as I think it is now. I feel like that styling has gotten better. I feel like when it dropped, it was like, oh, okay, it's better than the three forty eight, but it's not awesome. But I look at them now, and I'm like, no, the three fifty five is kind of timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, but but the test. I think the Testarossa aged terribly because of those eighties. Miami Vice side strikes and other things. You know, as, as as much presence as that car has, I think it's aged badly. However, there's one that we have seen modified of all things in the Park City area that we've talked about doing a fast blast for. I still think we should do that.
0: Agreed. Real quick, speaking of Miami Vice, I will go way back, Jason, and actually answer your question. It's the first Miami Vice car, not the Testarossa, but the one before that, 1973 375 GTB. That's up there with my favorite Ferraris and those things now regularly get auctioned between 800,000 and 1 million us dollars, which is staggering. But mm-hmm. I love that wedge, just a clean, simple shape, bright colors work. Well, I usually see it in red or yellow and yeah. I'm yeah, that, uh, as you were talking, just things that have aged well. Um, yeah, that's my favorite Ferrari. So interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, there are two questions here that I want to tie together, and I want to tie them together because they have the same, the answer is provided in the same place. Okay, They're not going to seem connected, but I want to mention the questions first, and then I want to connect the dots. First okay. question is from Eric Eric Hickey, and this makes me laugh. He says, I've never heard you guys use foul, foul language in any of your podcasts or videos. Do you make up for it when the mics are off? Will there someday be a bloopers reel just littered with F-bombs? Aaron, I laughed when I read that question. So there's that question. And Kyle Martin also asked, have you guys driven the Renault Magan RS-265 or any Renault model what is your opinion? <clears throat> I link those questions not because I've had a cussing spree about the Renault. I'm not linking it for that reason. I'm <laughs> yeah. linking it because nice. the nice. answer to both is in the same place, and that's our pilgrimage film. Let me actually answer your question. Uh, Kyle, we, we, wrote, we drove the Renault Magon RS265 around the ring. That was our introduction to the ring car. And if you've been paying attention uh, to the Nordschleife on, within the Magon. Anyway, uh, But uh, so that was our, our introduction car. Uh, because RSR, our friends there, that's one of the cars they recommend, and it is superb. Genuinely one of the best hot hatches sold. Yeah, yep. uh, We only did track time in it. I can't speak to what does it feel like on the road Comparative to an RS, I mean, compared to like a Focus ST or a Mazda Speed 3. We didn't have that ability. We only drove this thing on the track, but it was it, I think it shocked both of us, and you can see that in the Pilgrimage film. Plus, we drive it hard, and we do more than just drive around the track uh, discussion-wise. We actually talk about the car some, too. That's in Pilgrimage. And then, <laughs> do we cuss? Uh, yes, we do, but we try very hard to make a family-friendly fr- program. Uh, knowing that people were going to be paying for pilgrimage and probably not watching it with their kids and that kind of thing, uh, we let loose, and uh, that one gets a little more nuts. It does happen, um, but we try really, really hard on podcasts and videos to whoever is around you could hear this, and it's not a problem. Uh, we know some of you actually have listened to the podcast while commuting with your kids. We want to be very careful there. But there's uh, yeah, there's stuff that flies around in the pilgrimage film. Uh, yeah.
0: it happens but yes as you said we we are very adamant about uh making a good show and uh making it clean for everybody. So that's important to us as well. So anyway, thank you for noticing. Really appreciate it. Uh, we, we try hard. Uh,
1: so, uh, and, and sometimes, literally, sometimes you'll hear me going on a rant, and there'll be, maybe I'm the only one that hears it, but I hear it back on the podcast later. I'm going on a rant, and somewhere in the middle of my rant, there's like this stutter step, half second beat, longer than the cadence of the rest of my words. And it's my brain going, no, no, Don't say that. Say this. Don't say that. It it happens any time I rant. It happens.
0: Uh, Yeah, so go back and listen to those older podcasts and listen and listen between the lines
1: and you'll get it. Wait for the word that Todd decided to say, not the word Todd wanted to say. Yes, exactly.
0: Right. Uh, All right. So uh, AJ Gall is asking, is a Toyota Venza – A lexified Subaru Forester. He's asking because he owns one of each. And that made me laugh along with somebody else. and I'm trying to find their tweet, I think. They asked if they lexified their toddler. Would that be child abuse? And I say no as long as the dial is set to cashmere or teddy bear. And then you pointed the T-shirt cannon lexifier at your toddler.
1: Then you'll be fine. That was... That was my dividing line. Is I felt like you can lexify your toddler. This is a fun sentence, isn't it? However, you <laughs> Never shouldn't been said before ever. You should You shouldn't do it with the lexis with with, with the Lexus canon. I think the canon may be the child abuse, abuse element. So, if there's another way to apply the lexification, there I've gone even further. If there's another way to <laughs> apply the lexification mm. to your toddler without canon form, because that may be a bridge too far, then yes, you can lexify your toddler. That was a weird paragraph. <laughs> that was a very weird, weird paragraph.
0: Maybe it's like baby oil, or maybe you could brush it on.
1: No, stop, stop, huh. stop, stop. We need to eject. That's <laughs> where's this, dear
0: God, this parachute is a knapsack. <laughs>
1: can, can you uh, can you answer the Stallone question that was that was posted?
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, where is that? Where is that? Scrolling. Keith Roxo said, "Paul, Demolition Man,
1: go." <laughs> um, it's a Stallone movie that begins with D, and if you followed along, the pattern with Paul seems to be Stallone movies that begin with D, he does not like them.
0: Well, look, the suckitude was high on this film too, Keith, but there were cars in it, and specifically GM's sort of concept cars from the film. And so cars, that sort of added a an element that I wasn't expecting. If there hadn't been these cool help futuristic – well, no, but if the if the futuristic cars weren't in there, I would say add it to the list. So I'll go seventy five percent. Seventy five percent in the suckitude category, just because oh, okay. of the cool right. cars, sort of like, eh, well, there's cars well, and they do interesting things at in the future and la, but. Yeah. Wesley
1: Snipes, Stallone, Sandra Bullock, there were some funny moments in it, like the three shells and the other stuff. Everything was owned yeah, by Burger King. I mean, there were some there were some funny moments in it. But you know what that makes me remember? And this is random, but go with me. In the 90s, <laughs> okay. in the 90s, there was this, uh, this fascinating trend in film. And, and one of the films that started it was um, the uh, Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie, Prince of Thieves, that had a like it won every award and was top 40 forever song by brian adams was the theme at the end and after that was such a big hit there was then this trend throughout the 90s and demolition man was wrapped up in it where they hired some huge pop star to do the closing credit song and that closing credit song became a phenomenon in and of itself and sting of all people did the song demolition man for the movie demolition man oh that's right It was not a big hit, but it was in that era where every big summer movie, they were hiring some pop star to do the thematic in tune, and it was just a thing. I know they still try to do it now, but it's not nearly as successful as it was then, and it was something they almost discovered then. And, uh, I mean, Bond's done it forever in opening credits, but the Bond opening credits are almost their own little movie. This was just, hey, we're going to play you... You know, the credits scrolling over black, but you're going to stay because this is Pop Song's new release that relates to the film. Gag. Anyway, so yeah.
0: <laughs> and I like Sting. That's the problem. So it can't totally Agreed. suck. It just Agreed. mostly sucks. He's But mostly it's not dead. exactly
1: the, the the song you think of in Sting's uh, body of work. It's like, you know what's great? No. Moving on.
0: So what you do is you go through his pockets and look, look for loose change. Anybody? Bueller?
1: Nobody? Why are you no? doing – why why Princess uh, Bride? Why? Because I just happen?
0: had to end on something funny and good anyway. Something I, better? Something I kinda, better. Something so, better. I kind of screwed it up there too, didn't I? Oh, well.
1: Yeah, it's all good. So Andrew Morrill wrote to us as well, and he actually wrote us uh, – seeing the, the call for questions on Facebook, he then wrote us a Facebook message because he had a long question. I'm going to try to condense it. But, Andrew, I liked your question because I felt like there was an answer you were missing. It's kind of a mini car debate. He's leaving his Golf TDI, and he wants to buy a pickup. Now, I can't explain to you, kind listener, why on earth Andrew is going from a Golf TDI to a pickup, but he has his mind <laughs> fully set on a pickup. Clearly, clearly. And and while he could get really good pricing on a Chevy, he doesn't want a Chevy either. He's, he's landed. He specifically has landed on the Ford F-150. Now we enter into problem areas because he specifically describes himself as having money burning a hole in his pocket. So clearly, if we didn't cover this tonight, I fear that Andrew might buy something online overnight. (laughs) So we're desperately trying to stay ahead of you, Andrew. Why do I have multiple
0: sets of knives shipped to my house? Where did these (laughs) come from? (laughs) What what 's going on
1: I didn't need In a short Wow, I
0: already have fifteen man
1: <laughs> all bad so uh, so anyway, so that's that's the thing He's going to buy immediately, and please help me now, and then he doesn't like Ford introducing a new 10 speed transmission, which they're about to do to all of their lineup. And he would really like a Raptor. So he's going, how do you help me? I don't want the 10-speed. I don't need a Raptor. He's Hey, you're right there with me, Andrew. You like the Raptor and you have no reason for it. You're coming from a golf TDI. Nothing in your life describes you even needing a pickup, let alone a Raptor. Here's the thing I think you're missing, though. You don't want the 10-speed. You haven't had a pickup before. You like the Raptor, but you don't know that you'll have much use for it. I'm going to stop you for just a second. Take a deep breath. What's a new Raptor? It's it's touching sixty grand. I mean you're talking about if you don't get a raptor, you're gonna get the fully loaded F-150. That's still fifty grand. Right. So you're talking about spending fifty grand on a pickup, you don't need a pickup, you don't even think you're gonna like it. I'm gonna say this to you. We often say buy a car because you love it, even if it doesn't make sense. If you really want a pickup, buy a used raptor. Hmm. Hmm. Spend yourself thirty, thirty-five grand instead of fifty to sixty grand. Buy a used Raptor, because that way you can buy it just for the laughs. Am I going to like this? Uh, it's it, poor analogy, but it's the pretty girl. You're not sure if you can get along with her. That's what we're talking about. It's just a thing you want. You want that Raptor. It makes no sense at all. Okay, great. So go buy yourself a used Raptor. Most of the depreciation has happened. You avoid the 10-speed transmission. You don't want, and you may have it six months or a year, and just go. What was I thinking?
0: Sure, sure.
1: But how much is that car going to depreciate in that year? If you buy one for 35 grand with 50,000 miles on it, it's not going to drop that far. So, I think the safer call is, okay, you're so curious, you're so desperate for an F150, buy yourself the Raptor that you want, buy it used, avoid the transmission, see what you think, and maybe you can get out.
0: Hmm. hmm. I was just going to say go with it, go for the Raptor, but I like the used Raptor. I mean, nobody needs this truck. You can pull a trailer at high speed and win the Baja 1000. In comfort, yes. listen to your favorite music. You with could air pull your trailer
1: at high speed on the Baja one thousand. <laughs> which would actually make for a hysterical yes. video. Pull one of those really lo- lightweight caravans that barely stays on the road anyway, pull totally. that on the Baja one thousand and see what's left on the trailer ball when you're done. Totally. Just you know, how much of it have you have you picked up bystanders? Are you are, are you now crawl you know, <laughs> hauling along like large pieces of shrubbery? What's there? That would be a fascinating video, I have to say
0: oh my gosh i I like uh I like that idea because again nobody really needs one of these trucks unless you're yeah taking it out in the desert and doing high speed stuff with that but uh I uh I mean there are some changes to the new one but I just don't know if they're enough to justify the price difference and the fact that it's gonna depreciate and then you've put out a whole lot of money and yeah and
1: he's 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 a guy that is not a truck guy fascinated by a truck awesome but there's a level of risk involved there and i'm trying to temper that a bit and i'm just thinking okay andrew i get it i get it there is that you can't explain love thing you want to take the plunge cool used raptor save yourself a little bit of that money burning a hole in your pocket and see what you think
0: hmm it's gonna be either that, or a couple of fifty feet, three foot trailers full of cases of Shamwows and.
1: <laughs> other Put the computer down and back away. Late night,
0: detritus littering all our bad. televisions. Anyway,
1: all bad. Yep.
0: Holy moly, we are uh, just jumped past an hour. So thank you guys. This is uh, a lot of fun. The Facebook questions are making us laugh. Like crazy and very creative stuff. This is Mm -hmm. (laughs) still laughing. They're still coming in here. This is great. This is great. Um, Yeah, so uh, thank you. Please check out the everydaydriver.com adventures. We talked about it at the beginning, but I will mention it again as we are doing until we go because we want Mm -hmm. you on that trip with us. We would really love for you to consider it. And, uh, again, consider it in terms of uh, track time. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be quite a bargain in, in uh, terms of that as well. So
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's an all-inclusive trip. It's, it's, it's not cheap, but it's an all-inclusive trip, which yeah. is pretty cool.
0: Yes. And uh, what else? Chicago Track Day. And uh, keep writing to us with your own car debate on the website or everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And,
1: until- and stand by for questions to Dan Roth. Uh, oh, good for Dan Roth, he's going to join us, so we will be posting for those questions, and that will happen rapidly the same day you're hearing this podcast, if you're listening on Tuesday, that we are recording that night. So definitely think of your questions you want to ask Dan, or uh, and we'll be doing card debates with him, and also keep those recommendations for other guests coming. We're, we're curious and listening. Many big videos on the way, some of which we can't discuss, but uh, among those is uh, the beginning of the long-term discussions of Paul's uh, Cayman GTS. I'm actually very excited to share that. That is a fun car to shoot and drive, and we've gotten some cool stuff. And we've got more coming from Tom Helmandzik, our European correspondent. He's getting in some cars we've never even been close to, and he's driving them hard and talking about those. There's some great stuff coming up from him as well. And also, I keep saying it, but it's going to happen, Pink Jag. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, sentences that don't get to be used very often in life.
1: Pink jag I love it there should that be an everyday driver T-shirt? I just thought of that. It's actually a black shirt with an incredibly simple font like a Helvetica. It's a very just a, just a black shirt lowercase it just says pink jag on it. Nothing else that's it. <laughs> just says pink jag in pink in pink letters by the way <laughs> in pink and then letters. you have the everyday driver logo you have the everyday driver logo and URL on the back and people are going to be like what is that shirt it just says pink jag that's it on the front
0: all right done well there you go so you've been left with something to vote for let us know what you think pink jag thanks everybody <laughs>